Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks talk about God. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. You know, it's a, it's like halfway through summertime. Yeah, it is, really. It, it's We're, we're kind of right in that middle zone. They call it the dog days of summer. Um, but I don't know about you, man. I'm having a good summer this year. Uh, I would Overall, I would say that it's been a very good summer. I mean, there's been no... I I can't really say that there's been super high moments. Well, well, you're gonna though. You're you're heading into the upswing here coming up soon. So am I. So am I. We both have some pretty fun plans for the next uh, month or so. I'm I'm uh, very much looking forward to the fact that I will be going to Gen Con and apparently I will be staying in the hotel room with the geek preacher. Oh, so so Derek so and I are. There will be there will be a conflux of holiness at the. Uh, <laughs> that makes at it the sound, Gen Con. I don't think Derek or I would be considered part of a conflux of holiness. <laughs> uh, that but that should be a lot of fun though. You get to hang out kind of face to face with the guy that we've we've interacted with in the digital digital ways. Yes, I'm super excited to meet him and the guys from Game Church. So. That's awesome. And when is that coming up? That is coming up the, I believe it's the 15th, Is and it goes all through that weekend. All right. And just in case, I mean, I guess we've never, I mean, you've mentioned the fact that you've been thinking about maybe possible, there was a chance and all that. But what is Gen Con? Gen Con is pretty much the board gaming convention. Uh, board games, role-playing games, dice games... I mean, there is other stuff. Kind of, kind of like how, you know, Comic-Con is no longer comics. Right. Gen Con has branched out into other stuff. You will see, like, web comics people, and you will see some other stuff there. But primarily, Gen Con is where you'll hear the big announcements from the various board game companies. I promise you, if Wizards of the Coast has any kind of big announcement for D&D Next, it'll happen at Gen Con. Um, I know a lot of people who kickstarted board games and card games have an option to pick up your stuff at Gen Con, which, if if I'd have known in advance, I'd be picking up my copy of Numenera by Monty Cook, because I, Monty Cook is going to be there. But uh, but no, it is pretty much, uh, you know, the, the tagline for the convention is the best four days in gaming. Yeah, well, I I think uh, in in terms of this show, right? I, there's sort of the four conventions that w- would cover us: Gen Con, right? Origins, PAX. Well, actually, I was actually thinking Gen Con, Dragon Con for the more science fiction, fantasy, worldish stuff. I would so love uh, to get the Dragon Con. You know, an E3 and or PAX for the video game world. And then Comic-Con for the everything else. Comic-Con for the general geekiness. Though you're right, Origins... Is, but Origins, I don't think... I would Origins say Origins, is not Gen would be, Origins would be like a, a Tier 2 kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, Origins is not Gen Con. Not so at all. Th- th- this is where you will see basically all of the United States release of all the major board games that are coming out this year. And I'm so excited, and I'm, I'm going to have to make sure that I leave my credit card at home. Either that, or I'm going to have to make some kind of setup where I have an accountability phone call to my wife every night. How much did you spend? How many games did you almost buy today? <laughs> right. 
So while you're uh, rolling dice at uh, Gen Con, I'll be busy myself. I'm going to the happiest place on earth, Disney World. Yeah, you are. So, uh, so we'll be uh, we'll be staying for a little bit longer than a week uh, at Disney World. We're staying at the uh, the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Uh, there with the zebras and the giraffes right there, walking around in the hotel surroundings. That reminds me, I do want to ask one question, because I saw the picture that you posted of the little box. With Was the, that sweet or with what? With the bracelets that all had your 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 name, your wife's name, the kids' names. What is that? Because it, I'm okay, in Jersey, so, we don't have Disney anything. I, I'm curious as to right, what that so, is. Uh, so first thing you need to understand is that we are Disney people. And my wife is hardcore. So when we're doing this trip for us, this is like I don't. I mean, have you, you've heard of like an all-inclusive resort, or kind of the experience you might have on a uh, a cruise? Oh yeah. Where basically, you just show up and they like lavish you with everything, and you don't have to worry. It's all done for you. Yeah, I recently went to the uh, the hotel Hershey at the at Hershey Park. And I swear to you, that place is, wow, that place is impressive. Yeah, well, Disney, I mean, they have it down, and that's kind of how we're doing this Disney trip. I mean, everything, all of our our meals are planned, everything is set up, where we're going to be, how we're going to get there. We don't even have to take our luggage. Disney handles all that for us. Oh, no, that's cool. <laughs> you know, we just show up, get off the plane, get on the vis- Disney uh, tram, and then go to Disneyland. Um and so a couple of maybe a month ago, not even that long, a couple of weeks ago, we get this email that says you have been approved to try out this new program we're doing. Uh, so if you've never been to Disneyland or Disney World, they have for a good decade now used a system they call FastPass. Right, I've and heard of that. You, right, when you're in the park, you can use your ticket or your your uh, your yearly pass, and you can go to one ride. And if you get the, you get there early in the day, you say I'm gonna I want to ride this ride today. And you run the little thing, or the the uh, Disney employee runs the little thing for you, and you get a ticket that says you can access this ride between one and two p.m. or whatever it happens to be. And when you do that, you get in the the line that's you know like maybe ten minutes long, as opposed to the ninety minute wait to get on to. St- you know, Star Tours or uh, Space Mountain or Indiana Jones or whatever. And uh, so what these things do, this is incredible. So they signed us up for this program where we each get this wristband and we can choose ahead of time. We've already chosen. We we input it in our our itinerary. Three rides we'd like to go on that day. At each For each day we're there. So we're there for like eight days. So basically, we have like 24 rides pre-scheduled that we just get to walk on over our trip to Disney World. Um, Beyond that, it is the key to our hotel room door. It is, uh, we can purchase any food we need while on the trip via the wristband, right? So, I mean, it's this incredible technology thing. We sign up for it. We put everything in. You know, these are the people who are going. And they ship us this thing. And it's incredible. And maybe I'll, I'll share it to the the Game Store Profits uh, Facebook page. But we get this box. 
and you open the box, there are four bracelets arrayed in this box, sitting up, looking at you, and each one is etched with one of our names in front of it. It's a custom printed box for us. This is like, it makes you feel like a like Disney royalty or something. It's amazing. That, that just sounds a lot of fun, especially the whole, you don't have to worry about taking your stuff with you, you just wear the little bracelet thingy. Absolutely. And so it, it is very much like the kind of VIP experience. I mean, you know, we're paying for this. It's very, it's a very expensive trip, but uh, you know, for us, we would, it's the one time we're going to take our kids to Disney world. We want to make this like a, like a once in a lifetime, massive experience, you know? And, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, we're really looking forward to that. It's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks here. Uh, we, you and I, we may need to, uh, fudge a little bit with the uh, programming schedule, since we'll both be traveling around the same time, but we'll work it out, folks. Don't worry we'll, about we'll that. We'll figure something out. We we always have. Uh, so you also, though, I mean, you 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 hopefully today had an excellent geek day. I did. I'm hoping. I did. It was right, a really good day. Um, today was I, I posted the event on the the Facebook page, so you know it's worth saying. I hosted a 11-hour gameathon. Where all we did, we gathered a bunch of people, and we we played board games and card games for eleven straight hours. Uh, it was kind of fun. I came home, my wife was already asleep, and she's and and I said, "All right, go back to bed, honey. I gotta go eat dinner, because it's the first real food I've had all day." Whoa, whoa, wait a minute now. Where exactly did you host this? At my church. There you go. See, we have we have a connection here. Now, I, I've been been very fortunate in the fact that they kind of allowed me to do the first one. <laughs> um, the first, I, I discovered that while there wasn't really a hassle getting it done, it really, I, I don't want to, like, overplay that. It's not like they were giving me a hard time the first time. But they weren't necessarily, they didn't see the value in it that you did. Right. I had to explain what the event was, why I felt that it fall that it fell under the uh out- outreach ministry. Uh I had to explain the fact that it wasn't just a youth group event that all ages could come. Uh there was a lot more explaining and defining going on the first time around. This time not only were they okay with it, not only did I not have to explain things, I actually got church budget money to go out and buy games for a raffle to to get people to come out, and it was it was a really good event. Uh, for one reason or another, because it's the middle of summer and people are traveling and and what have you, uh, we didn't get as many people out for this time, but. I still consider it a huge success because we saw a lot of the same faces come back, uh, many of whom have no connection to the church, but still said that it was a, a, a good event worth coming out to. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I played a lot of games. Um, so you did, you did get to play games. You know, sometimes when you're the... the uh... The, the organizer, administrator of an event. You don't get to do much, but you got to, I guess, for 11 hours, there's there's time to play games. Right, and there, there's part of me that says that I should have taken more pictures and taken video or whatever, but 
I, I find there's a lot more value in what I did playing games. I taught people a bunch of games. Yeah, I have a lot of fun doing that, and, and that's where the connections are made. That's where the real meat of an event like this happens, is at the table making those connections with people. So, yeah, I, I wish I could have documented more. I did put a couple stuff up on, I, I, on my Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I tweeted both from my account and from the Game Store Profits page, so probably if you're on the Game Store Profits tweet, uh, Twitter, you probably watched me tweet ridiculous things all day long about, you know, uh, ghosts, dinosaurs, and, and, uh... Ah, somebody played Smash Up. Yeah, ghosts, dinosaurs, and... Did you play Smash Up or Small World? Smash Up. I didn't play Small... Small World was played today, but I wasn't in that game. And I love the fact that I can say that, that that good games are getting played, and I wasn't the one that made sure they got played. They just happened to be played strictly because people picked them up and brought them out. I'm, I was very so happy So was there any game today that you got to play that you'd never played before? That I'd never played before? Yes, one. Which was that? Uh, it was, oddly enough, it was one that was brought, because I always encourage... Anybody who gets invited to this thing, if you sure, have sure. games, feel free to bring them. They're your responsibility. Right. I'm not policing games. But I always encourage people to bring them. And one of the guests brought Sentinels of the Multiverse. Okay. It is, it is a... This is a um, kind of a reprint of a... I think it's a deck-building, drafty kind of game... It's that is it, it's it's super less. Nosy. I don't want to call it a deck building game. I know technically it falls under that, but I I would call it less deck building because basically each person plays as a superhero, and you play your superhero. Each superhero gets their own deck of cards with their own uh, powers, their own equipment, their own stuff. I was playing a, it was great, because you, you get bits and pieces of the lore from these people, and apparently I was playing a guy named Bunker, who was a robot who's been around since the age of the Civil War. Of course. Because, like, it said, like... like from... Because all of the forces of nature are designed to ensure that you play the Civil War robot. Of course they are. Yeah, I mean, that's... At this point, it's not even worth considering how that could have come I, about. Because <laughs> they... Apparently, the the book has little blurbs about every superhero. I saw Bunker, and I read that first sentence about... He was a part of the Civil War Ironsides program. And I said, yes, I, I don't need to see any more. I don't need to know anything else about any of the other heroes. I want this guy. So now, are these actual, are these specific to the game, or are these drawn from other mythologies? Are these drawn from comic book heroes, or, or literary heroes, or whatever? They're original-ish. They're original-ish. Okay, because I do, I do know of a robot in a book that fits that very closely. Right, so I, I would wondered say if they that were... these guys are original-ish. If okay. you really look at them... You can make equivalents in the actual comic book world. Uh, the one woman was playing a guy named Legacy, and he's very much a Superman 
character. Uh, a guy that was sitting next to me played a guy named Tachyon, who is very much a Flash kind of character. Um, the woman who sat next to me, she was playing uh, a character named Whiplash, who's very much a Batman character. So there's there's a lot of similarities, shall we say, with regular superheroes. But at the same point, they are individuals. They're, they are their own thing. But I had so much fun. We were playing uh, everything. I would never played this game before, and we played with some people who had played it before. So I was very much looking for, to them for advice on how to play things and this and that. Uh, and so they're like, do you want to play the advanced game? And I said, I don't know, do we? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know if... I think we played the, the basic game because apparently the advanced game is super hard. We played a bit of a challenging bad guy, but at the same point... Towards... It's a co-op game. Oh yeah, it's a co-op game. Okay. You are a, a Justice League sort of grouping of superheroes going to fight evil. So yeah, it was it was a ton of fun, and uh, we ended up winning. Uh, the, the, the chairman did not shut us down. Uh, we, we shut down the evil mafia that was existing on Dinosaur Island. That's right. I, I, All right. That's one of those statements I just want to sink in. We shut down the evil mafia on Dinosaur Island. And continue. <laughs> but no, it was that was. You know, it's funny. Uh, last week at our game group, I played a game that had a really kind of a similar vibe. Okay. I don't think the mechanics are very similar, and it certainly wasn't a co-op game, but a game called uh, Duel of Ages Two. It's a game that which, I've heard of. I've heard of it a lot. Which, first off, I don't know that I've ever heard of a board game that's something two. <laughs> and I don't think that's something I really want to see introduced into the board game world. You don't Just want sequel after don't sequel tell us. after sequel? I don't want to see sequels. Yeah, I mean, though, I mean, I guess you could say that, like, expansions are sequels, but... But you know what I mean. I don't want to see the same game kind of rehashed in a 2.0 kind of a style, unless it's been a while. Um, but Duel of Ages, uh, it, it's, we played with a bunch of people, but it's basically one team versus the other. Uh, white against black. And each, each team has a number of heroes spread across multiple ages. So maybe ancient, colonial, future. There were some others. And... Several. Of, it was weird because several of the historical ones were actual, like Blackbeard, uh, Pat Garrett. I killed Pat Garrett with Blackbeard. In fact, um, uh, those kind of things. And then into the future, of course, I was really hoping to see like references, but of course you'd have to license all that. Yeah, definitely. And so instead, they were really just sort of generic futury people. And uh, the way it works out is there's a hex map that kind of gets uh, gets built at the beginning of the game based on player choices. And uh, the game sort of plays out like Hunger Games, uh, if you've ever read that book series. I have. Um, you know, everybody kind of beams in on these little bases with no equipment, no anything. And there are stashes and challenges and things around the board, and you have to get to them if you can 
complete those challenges, then you are rewarded with equipment. The equipment which you may or may not be able to use, which may or may not be good for your particular character, the character who won that. But you know, you might you can trade within teams if you can get close to each other. Um, if you fail at uh, uh, certain challenges, they it'll beam you back across the board. And of course, you're doing all of these things while the other team is there trying to accomplish their goals and trying to kill you in the process. Um, and at the end of the game, and one thing that's interesting about this game is it doesn't actually have an end game. You set an arbitrary end game. So like we're going to play for 10 turns or we're going to play till nine or we're going to play till whatever. Okay. Um, so, you know, for us, we play till half an hour before closing. So there would be time enough to clean up. Um, and at that point, you just, you, you added up based on how many people died and how far you got during certain challenges. And that, that's the end of the game. Um, but what's interesting about it is you end up with these weird amalgams where, like, you know, you have Blackbeard throwing a Molotov cocktail at William Wallace, who's fighting back with an Uzi. That's, and, just, that's just a magical experience right there. Right. And, and so you had all, you kind of have all this inter-time craziness thing happening. Um, very complex game. Very, very complex game. Uh, you know, there's not like a single ranged skill. There's three ranged skills. There's not a single defense skill. There's like four defense skills. Um, each character has... I mean, each character is almost like a full role-playing game character in terms of the number of stats that they have. And each different equipment... You might pull equipment that that is really good for somebody with this stat and this stat, but, you know, so it, it can get very complex and can be a mess. And uh, what, the one thing that we noticed was, you know, I happened to get a gun into the hands of my shooter early on and just decimated everybody. And that really wasn't fun for the people who were getting killed. Uh, so you know, <laughs> Somehow there, there was... the getting killed part really does ruin an evening. Well, I mean, it's fine to get killed if you're fighting, you know? But if you're just sitting there getting shot down and you don't even have any weapons, you know, and this other person has a ranged weapon that can shoot me from halfway across the board, that's a kind of a bummer, <laughs> you know? It, uh, it, it's not fun just to be just to sit there and get slaughtered. It, you want to at least have a chance yes. to... You want to at least have a chance to get into it. You want to be able to, to do something to get across the board or to... to anything just uh, something to to be able to uh respond so one thing i think would be really good is if each of the characters started with weapons i mean i understand that that kind of defeats the purpose you know they didn't start with weapons in hunger games and the whole thing is kind of a an island of doom kind of an experience but uh yeah that that was that was a little bit of a bummer but you know i was the one doing the killing so so it was fine yeah, it was fine by me. <laughs> you know what I, mean? <laughs> I had no complaints. No. So did anybody have a particularly awesome gaming experience today? I th I would say that there's a, a, a couple different ones. Uh, we had some some kind of growing pains at times. Like I have I have a game that I just bought, and it's one of those games that I almost feel awkward saying the name of it because you took this. Okay. <laughs> I, I took a game called The World Needs an Evil Baby Orphanage. I... 
<laughs> and uh, tell them who tell them who some of the characters in this game are. <laughs> I, I it's the people that you would think. It's let me tell the the plot of this game, the the theme as it were of this game uh beforehand. The theme is I I say that it's Doctor Who meets the Super Nanny. And the concept is is that <laughs> Sorry, I just put it together. That was a delayed reaction laugh. I appreciate that. (laughs) The concept is is that there are all these people who have done horrible things in the world. And what if, you know, there's always that thing, like, what if you could go back in time and kill Hitler? This is such a question that people have been posing that even a a Doctor Who episode was posed called Let's Kill Hitler. Let's Kill Hitler. (laughs) But but we don't want to kill people. We're trying to stop other people from killing people. Murdering babies is bad. So what happens is that you go back in time, you find the baby... And love them! And rehabilitate them to become, as the instruction book says, accountants and ballerinas and, <laughs> and school teachers. So what is, the, what is the thing that Mike Perna tells me about this game as he's describing it to me the first time? The Unabomber baby is the cutest one. He is! He really is. He's wearing a bright orange onesie with teddy bear ears. And that's freaking hilarious. He is. He's my favorite. So there was there there was some awkwardness at the uh, the church game day. Oddly enough, work. it wasn't the theme that caused the awkwardness. Oh, okay. Um the game got played twice. Once successfully. The second time it was played, it was played successfully, and partly that is because we learned something about the game the first time. They don't set a maximum number of players. Uh, but However, they really should have had a maximum number of this players. This game should have had a maximum number of players. Alright, well, some of those things you can't know until you have a giant group of people playing games. Exactly, which is what, which is what events like this do. Uh, they were playing it with, I think they had like Eight, eight or nine people playing it. Okay, I'm just gonna say there's really no game that's designed for eight or nine people to play. No, there are. Except for, I like, played the Resistance charades. today. I played the Resistance, and it it is uh, we played it with eight people. Which yeah, I guess Resistance would actually be good with a lot of people because that it adds more confusion to the pile. Yes, but but yeah, at at that point the rounds just lasted way too long. And so uh, people were a lot of downtime. Yeah, people weren't enjoying eh. it. Later on, uh, a group of six picked it up, and I think six is the magical maximum number because those folks played it and they said, "Is it easy to learn?" And not going into all the the stuff of the mechanics, I said, "It's not easy. There is a learning curve. Like it's not plug and chug. You open it up and you're playing, but." Once you crack, this is how the game goes, I promise you, you will have fun. And that's exactly how it happened. Uh, I was playing a game at the next table over, and I kept looking back at the at the, t- the, the group playing Evil Baby Orphanage. And I kept noticing different stuff, and, and every once in a while I'd have to answer a question. And I found out that as it started out with a lot of confused looks, but as the game progressed... There was a lot more laughing, a lot more strategy, a lot more, haha, I'm going to play this to stop you from taking my baby here. And it was great. It was absolutely great. 
because it's impossible not to laugh at this game. Well, I I think that's one of the great things about board games is you can have the most insane themes oh, yeah. and still have fun games. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I played a game recently that was about making sushi. Oh, uh, now, what's it called? I, I Sushi Cook. Okay. Yeah, it's actually used to be called something else. Yeah, I think it was, like, Sushi Go or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you hear that and go, eh, do I really want to spend time with something that's about making sushi or crazy evil babies? Probably not. But yeah. it turns out they actually are fun. Oh, yeah. That's but then again, you know, you, you can make a fun game about building a Spanish building or... Uh, fill in the blank, uh, populating an island, or whatever, you know, uh, there's there's plenty of fun games out there, there's some mechanics that matter, at least I think. Oh yeah, and and that was, it was really great to see some people who really, you could tell that somebody brought them. You could tell that they weren't into playing games, but somebody brought them. And you see that person early on in the day, and they're just like you can the look on their face. They're they're just killing time. They have no idea what's going on. But by the end of the day, uh, there was one girl who was sitting next to me as we were playing Munchkin, and the first couple hands, she was like, "I don't get this. This is weird." But by the time we were done, she's like, "Wait, I'm an elf. I should help them." Right? I should help them. And she get a big smile and, and negotiating for, for how how many treasures she would need before she would help. And and that I love that stuff. I love seeing people kind of cross that border from this is silly to, oh my goodness, I am absolutely loving this. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, I, it's just an awesome way to introduce people to a church. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really think that it is, you know, because there's something about games that cause bonding. Whether you're against each other or whether you're you're working on a co-op game, especially now because so many games, I mean, almost all games at this point have some degree of co-op in them. Uh, there are very few games that are pure uh, just opposition, right? Um you know, you you at least need to barter something or, you know, there's a kind of an implicit, like, you go there, I'll go here kind of a thing. Yeah, re- resource management, is, ever since, like, the Settlers of Catan have kind of brought that in, resource management is now a major reoccurring theme as far as mechanics. Right, so unless you're playing, a, like, a, a one-on-one game, for the most part, if there is a always going to be a social context within these games, which is going to often promote bonding. And that's such a great way to introduce people to a church. You know, often people are introduced to a church via very um, a confrontational kind of a way. Even though we don't intend to introduce them in a confrontational kind of a way, there's just this implied question of, are you going to be one of us or not? And we don't mean to do that. We don't. We try not to come across that way, but... But it's almost as if people bring that with them sometimes into the church. And sometimes we forget that we're doing that as well. But when we sit down to play games together, it's just like, hey, man, we're on the same team. We're, we're playing here on the same table. We're having fun together. So, yeah, I think it's awesome that you're doing that, man. 
Yeah, and and there's a couple different ways that I can tell if a game is is a game day is a success. Like I said, we didn't have as many people out, so there's part of me that wants to say, oh well, it's it's going downhill and no one's coming and whatever. But a lot of the people who came back, like I said, who have no ties to this church, who really don't even have ties to me, other than they're friends of a friend, um, they came back. And they came back and they brought friends. Right. And that's huge. I love the fact that at one point I was playing a game and and I forget what game it was at the time. And somebody looked up and said, holy crap, it's already one o'clock. Like, they didn't realize that that much time had passed because they'd been having that much fun. Like, that was a huge point of success for me. Just Just the fact that they got so into the game and so into the people... And there wasn't anybody who was sitting around bored. And so, so that was a huge success to me. And the, the ability to, to talk with some people, granted, I, you know, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you probably saw my status that I posted up tonight as I'm coming home from this about I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy who runs an outreach event and then makes a gospel presentation. Or does a Bible lesson. Because I don't... I don't function that way. Because I didn't want the event to stop. The conversations to stop. And have people who don't want to listen to that... Have to endure it. To get back to the thing that they're there for. So... My big thing is, is the whole idea about... The relationship... And with a couple, there were a couple moments there where I earned that right, because I was talking to to one woman who, I don't think she and her husband came last time, but I know people who did who kind of brought them, and we were talking about this, that, and the other thing, and and we started talking, and it wasn't like a long extended moment or anything, but it was just I I shared the fact that the church not only allows me to do this but supported me in doing this, and she goes, wow, that's that's really awesome. The church actually supported you in this? I go, yeah, they love the fact that I'm doing this. And there was just this moment of, huh. And then she she looked at me and she goes, she, she said, I, I kind of wish I came to a church like this. And I was, like, I was like, okay, that's an awesome real moment. And there was part of me that wanted to like, jump on that and be like, well, we happen to have a service tomorrow, but I didn't because I just met this woman. But we ended up talking about different stuff. We talked about what she studied in school. We, we talked about TV shows. We talked about the games that we've played. Uh, we talked about, you know, all sorts of different stuff. And now this woman is a, fr- a friend of mine on Facebook now. And I look forward to continuing the conversations, both the ones that involve the church and the ones that don't. Because at my core, I'm not here to to convert people. I'm here to make friends and in that process, show them Christ. I, my first priority is to, to meet them, to shake their hands, to smile, to to share my life with them and hope that they share something back with me and know each other and be friends with each other and care about each other 
because I've discovered that it's the people I care about and the people who care about me, those are the people who I've had the most rewarding conversations with about Jesus. Those are the people who I've had the most influence with as in regards to things about faith. Those are the people that actually care when I start talking about what the Bible says and who Jesus is. It's because they're my friend first. And I don't, I don't make that contingent. That friendship is not contingent on whether or not they become a Christian. What that sounds like to me is missions. You know, that's what we're doing here. Uh, you know, you don't get to just show up somewhere else in the world and just start talking to people about Jesus. No one would try doing that. In many places in the world, you would have gotten, you know, stabbed and eaten, depending on when in history it was. You know, every missionary knew they had to come and earn the right by developing the relationship to share Jesus. And that's what you're doing. You just are doing it in a church in New Jersey in modern America because that's where we are these days. And I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I'm so hoping that I get to do more of these. And quite frankly, I, I made the statement today. I go, if I could spend the rest of my days doing this in churches. Like, if I can somehow convince people that getting me to their church to run game days was a viable option, <laughs> I, I would jump on that in a heartbeat. Because, yeah, I, I, love, I love the connections that are made. I love seeing people open up. And I love just everything about these kind of events. I, I love meeting these people and and it was funny because you know we're sitting there in the church and people are, are cursing up a storm just because you know sometimes you, you you want to when it's you're playing a game and things aren't going the way you want them to go and you know stupid outbreaks yeah there's there's those moments where you, you kind of get that look like oh oh crap I forgot I was here. And and I just look at them and I go I go that was a really terrible role or <laughs> you know just that that understanding of I'm not here to enforce rules that you don't abide by I'm not here to enforce you know enforce a set of of expectations on you that you're not a Christian I I I have no reason to expect that you would abide by them and that ends up tearing down a lot of walls that would otherwise exist for people that, that don't go to church and have no desire to go to the church and probably, probably have bad experiences in their past with the church. I say, no, no, we're playing games. The only thing I would say is I felt bad because one of the kids, uh, he, goes, he goes, dude, I've always wanted to play role-playing games. Do we have any role-playing games here? And I had to be like, uh, there are some people in our church who are not super keen on role-playing games and so i don't bring any <laughs> but other than uh, that it, it is not a perfect world and you know we do what we can right and it sounds like that's what you were doing yeah and it was it was a great event i love doing it and i hope to get i get to do it some more very cool i have a feeling that that god will provide you a way to let you do that again and again and again since it really does seem to be the, well, the passion and the way he's he's leading you in life. Well, heck, when Project Awesome goes live, 
Someday. People will be lining the the internet. <laughs> it, it will happen. Uh, though I will tell you folks, I did not realize just how difficult it is to put these kind of things together. Uh, it is. But it's happening. It's coming. People are working. So we're glad for that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, in the meantime, you're doing what you love doing. I think that's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I actually, uh, today, I didn't quite have the same level of awesome experience that you did. But, I mean, I guess I did. It's just in a different way. It's a different, it's a different experience of awesome. So the other day, I am talking to my kids at, at dinner time. And uh, I mentioned that uh, my America the Beautiful Pass arrived that day. Now, if you don't know what the American Beautiful Pass is, it's essentially a an interagency pass where any federal lands you get entr- entrance into, or uh, at the very least, uh, lower cost entrance into. So we're talking national parks, state uh, national parks, Forest Service, uh, BLM, Bureau of Rec- uh, Reclamation, um, and there's probably a few more in there. Uh, but basically federal lands. And you can get in to hike or to do whatever you want to do. And I, my daughters, you know, were like, well, why'd you get that? And I said, well, I wanted to go hiking. And their response was shock and dismay. Less than favorable, was it? Less, less than favorable. And, uh, you know, that kind of bugged me a little bit. And, you know, something else has been bugging me. And, I th- and it was really apropos to this show. Um, like we said, it's halfway through summer, right? And my kids have always played video games for basically as long as they've been alive. They've been playing video games. Well, they are your uh, children. Right, exactly. And uh, so, you know, they had the the Leapsters. Uh, if you're not a parent, you might not know what a Leapster is, but it's basically a little handheld video game, sort of akin to a DS, but with, like, educationally type, children-y type games, you know, so like, you know, the sort of Disney character uh, movie kind of stuff, very safe stuff, right? Uh, they also had the, the Leap Pad, which of course is is the cooler, newer version that's, you know, kind of a take on an iPad or whatever. Um, but this year, I've noticed something very different, and they've started to play different kinds of games, and they've become a much bigger part of their life. And it's really because of two things. One is because of a phone. They don't have a phone. My kids don't have a phone. But they use mine. And so some of the games on my phone. And also, uh, they're playing on the computer. And the kinds of games they're playing are what you probably would technically call an MMO. I'm not sure that they're technically MMOs. I don't know if there's actually like a term for this kind of market, but they're little kid MMOs, essentially, right? You're playing in this world. There are other people who are playing in the world, and you're you're building your little animal house, and you're collecting your your rare bow and arrow, and you get you know all of these things, and you can trade, and you can do adventures together. I mean, it's essentially an MMO. Um, but my kids are hooked, right? They are hooked. Um, and so th- those two ha- things kind of came together, and today I was sort of fed up, and I was like, look, we're going out into wilderness now. We're- I'm taking you with me, and we are going to go and experience nature. 
Um, and they were once they got there, they were, you know, they were a little unsure about it on the way. They got there, they saw the water, and they were like, "Yay, this is amazing!" <laughs> they were chasing crawdads and minnows and and doing the things that kids are supposed to do. But the question that I have, and that is that is appropriate for this show, is I'm a parent who plays games a lot, and my children then play games and so now I'm in this place where I play a lot of games and I'm trying to limit the number of games my kids are playing. And so we've talked about internet addiction on the show before. Yep. And of course internet addiction is the is the far end extreme of this spectrum, right? Yeah. And you know the the way that you avoid internet addiction is by learning some responsibility and the ability to to measure yourself along the way. Of course, you know nine year olds do not seem tend to have that that particular node in their brain turned on yet. Yeah, it's not exactly a skill that we're ingrained. Right. With. Like you know, if you give them a plateful of cookies, they will eat a plateful of cookies. Uh, when they really only needed to, you know? Right. Um, and so I found myself in this really strange place, this kind of torn place where, like, I love video games, but I want my children to play less of them. <laughs> and, and there's a little bit of hypocrisy in there, uh, but there's a little bit of, I don't know, maybe even self, uh, self-analysis in there. Maybe I'm looking at myself and thinking, well, maybe I'm playing too many video games. So it's an interesting thing now that my children are into this. Um, it really does give me a new perspective on video games and what they do to us. And just their their uncanny ability to hook us in a way that I don't know of too many like non-pharmaceutical things can do. Yeah, there's, there's certainly a lot of different levels that, that games fire in our heads both on the psychological and even on the chemical level that can if not if not mitigated by other stuff can be pretty you know i i don't want to for lack of a better word i would say crippling like like we can't do anything else because this is so awesome and and yeah. i i think that you're, that one of the big steps to to make sure that happens that that doesn't happen is what you did is basically say I'm going to take the children now. I'm going to take them out, and I'm going to show well, and, them and how other awesome. Right, other awesome. So I've been I was thinking about this, and I'm trying to kind of think back to my childhood, and maybe I'll use you as a guinea pig. Okay, because well, you you and I uh, we're both in our mid thirties. Yes, which means we were the video game. Generation. I vividly remember when the Nintendo system came out, yes. I remember when the Atari was there, right? You know, like, literally, we were the very first human beings to have video games since essentially day one. Right. Right? I think the, fir my, the first video game console showed up in my house when I was three. Okay? And I look back on my childhood, and I, and I grew up in the suburbs. You grew up in the suburbs? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, when I look back on my childhood, I wonder, did I play too many video games? And I'm leaning toward yes. So I wonder what you, how you might feel about that. 
I don't think yes when I was a kid, like a little kid. I think I guess I'm thinking like starting around sixth grade is when it really got bad. Yeah, I would I would put it right around there and by the time my freshman year of high school came around, I was probably playing way too many video games. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Uh, and I think that's uh though I know I did play a lot of video games as a younger child too. Um I mean I can totally the game that I remember the most was just hours upon hours spent playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, uh, on, uh, I think it was, must have been on the NES. Yep. And, uh, you know, of course, we were also playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. Well, naturally. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't... It's so weird, though, because also... I mean, it was a whole different world that I grew up in. Like, I would walk over around the block, through the park, over to 7-Eleven, and down the road from 7-Eleven to get to Video 99 to rent a game for my Nintendo. Right. So, I mean, I was walking past trees and through the wilderness to get to rent the video game. Uh, and there's not a chance in the universe that I would let my children walk anywhere near any place in my town <laughs> where they could rent a video game. Um, so, I mean, there is that sense in which it is different. But, you know, I look back and I think, I, you know, I spent so much time in my childhood playing video games. I kind of regret it now, in a way. I mean, I love video games. Don't get me wrong. They're a major part of my life. But I, I look back, and of course this is the parent in me, but I look back and I think, did we, did I miss something? Because I spent so much time playing video games. And, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine that for this generation of children, it's going to be ten times worse than what we had. Um, because... There wasn't video game culture the way there is now. I mean, I guess there was around Nintendo. But, you know, there was... I suppose there aren't video game cartoons these days. Uh, at least not that I know of. <laughs> oh, I'm just... My head is flooding with, you know, Super Mario Super Show and... Dude, Captain I love Captain N, N the Game Master. And... Oh, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> I just... The only thing that I, I... There were two things about Captain and the Game Master that really drove me nuts. It was Mega Man's voice and the fact that Kid Icarus ended everything with Icus. Princess Icus? Uh, <laughs> nice. Well, you know, and I think... Uh, yeah, this There is kind of the lesson here, and, you know, we get to the spiritual part of the show, though we've been talking about spiritual things all through this show. And... It really is that God created this really big world. And, you know, I, I really do believe, I'm, I'm kind of of the, the, uh, the school of thought, that God really, really likes it when we enjoy ourselves. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and that he designed the world as a playground for humanity. And, you know, it's like if we're just playing video games or we're just doing board games or we're just doing anything. It's like just riding down the slide over and over and over and over again 
you know, and there's a time when you're a kid that you just love the, the swirly slide. So that's all you're going to do all recess long is just swirly slide, swirly slide, swirly slide. But, you know, there are swings, right? Right. And there are kids playing kickball, I hope. And, you know, there's things happening during recess these days. Um, and, you know, Swirly Side is awesome. But it's not the only thing that's out there. And, you know, you you taught that to people today. You know, these folks who who don't know Jesus, they don't know Christianity, they show up at your church and think, wow, these people do things that are not just church stuff. Right. They didn't know that, right? This is this is like a profound experience to them, and uh, you know we need to remember that that even the super important stuff, even the church stuff, it's not the end of life. It's not the whole thing. Uh, that God designed us to enjoy His playground in every different way we can, and we need to balance that as best as we can. We need to appreciate what He gave us the best that we can. Yeah, definitely, and and sometimes. Uh, there's a lot of good that just gets done in something silly like I've only ever played computer games. I I haven't really seen the uh, the value in like card games and board games. And I'm like, let let, let me show you over here. <laughs> right. And and you know today I I I took my kids into the wilderness in a way that they have never been before, and it was like they're begging me to go back tomorrow. Right. And you know that's in some ways that's what we're about. Is is we are about leading people into life, and you know, for a parent to their child, that's a kind of special discipleship that doesn't exist anywhere else. But but at the same time, to be the really amazing missionary that that we all want to be, we lead people into life, and the more we lead them into life, the more we show them how we live and how they can live, the more they're going to say. Who is this God that gave us this life? And we're going to be able to say, well, there's a God who gave his life so that we can have life. And that's what being a missionary is all about. Whether you're a missionary as a parent, whether you're a missionary as a gamer, whether you're a missionary in Timbuktu, it's all the same thing. Leading people into life to show them who gave his life to give us life. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we both got to do that in a little way today. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And we, and we, now we'd encourage you guys to, to, you know, maybe, maybe games is not the thing that, that God is oh, going to yeah. use in your life. Maybe you, you listen to us cause you like them, but it's not your thing. I promise you there is something in your existence, some facet of your life or your, your pursuits, your everything that is you, there is something there that God is waiting to use to introduce somebody to not just him, but to the life that he has for them. And not in the silly little uh, health and wealth theology thing. I'm talking about literally being able to walk with God and how great that is. Because, you know, being a missionary, being the type of people who, who jump into the lives of others... It's not about that conversion moment. It's about showing people the joy of knowing who God is. That that day by day stuff. That that when you see when you get to see that happen when the eyes open up and you get to watch them see that for the very first time. 
coolest moment ever. Absolutely. So, folks, we invite you to to do your thing. We're going to do our thing as best as we can, and we're going to continue to encourage each other to do our thing. Invite you to go out and do your thing, and you know we want to hang out with you while you do it. And there's a lot of great ways to do that. You can hang out with us on our website, GameStoreProfits.com. Best place, I think, is Facebook, Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. Also on Twitter, at GSProfits. Or you could go really old school and send us an email at GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. It's so sad that email is considered old school. Oh, it totally is. (laughs) It totally is. So how can they get a hold of you? I think uh, through the ways we talked about. All the ways we talked about. uh, You can also, uh, I have my own Twitter, uh, Mike the Bard. I, you know, a lot, there there is going to be a lot of overlap because I'm usually the one doing the the Game Store Profits Twitter as well. But I do put stuff up that's just mine too. Uh, Especially if you like hearing us you know, hit the deep theology. I don't always do that on a Game Store Profits because Game Store Profits is gaming-related, and it doesn't always... As much as we'd like to think that it always has some kind of deep ramification, it doesn't always. But I'll, I'll We hit, try, but it doesn't. It doesn't always. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I, I do hit more of that stuff on my Twitter, and it's also just random stuff about my day. Uh, another... I, I, there's some other stuff that I'm kind of working on, but it's not ready to be revealed yet. Uh, one thing for me, it's going to be fun, because I know for a fact that there's at least a couple of you guys who have mentioned that you're going to be at Gen Con too. Uh, today, I recently, I, I literally just opened it like an hour ago. Uh, I have cards, you know, you know, promo cards, the kind of stuff you bring to an event like Gen Con for the podcast and stuff like that. I have... Using the awesome logo uh, that that Amy designed for us, I have a Game Store Profits t-shirt. Oh, nice. And I'm going to be wearing it at Gen Con. I'm not going to be wearing it every day. I'm not disgusting. But (laughs) I will be wearing it at Gen Con. So if you're wandering around and you see a, a big hairy guy wandering around the Game Church booth or the the Fans for Christ booth or somewhere in tow behind the Geek Preacher, and you, you see he's wearing a Game Store Profits t-shirt, that's me. Feel free to come up and say hi. Uh, I I really hope that at some point I have to deal with the stress of being surrounded by Game Store Profits listeners. I think that would be the coolest thing ever. So, so feel free to come up and say hi. Amen and amen. Uh, and so, folks, as always, we remind you that no matter how the dice fall, even if they are so Terrible you want to swear. <laughs> God is a game master, and the game plays on.